I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. See what you said, it's not nature, it's cabbage, but it's cabbage technically <laughs> not nature. Because it grows. <laughs> Minute Tim's episode 209, and I am joined this week by Stephen. Yes, you are. Yes. And Melly. Yes. And I am your host, Jamie. And we have seen an awful lot of each other recently, <laughs> haven't we? I'll level with you. I, I hummed and hawed about actually turning up tonight, to be perfectly honest. I only turned up because I live here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have spent, we are just back from Copenhagen. Yes. And absolutely. Tremendous trip. Melly, yeah. um, what did you think of the Fair City? Yeah, it was great. The game was decent. Scooters were tremendous. The, the, if you don't know, uh, <laughs> for those who are listening, there's these uh, wee like, battery-powered electric scooters all over Copenhagen. You download an app, you scan the scooter, and then you just basically ride that baby into the sunset, <laughs> Stephen, or until the battery dies. And then you walk about trying to find another one. I don't know how you felt about it, but it was pretty much exactly like Sons of Anarchy. I, I thought we, we must have looked so cool on our wee green scooters. Uh, Copenhagen was great, a lovely city. We somehow managed to find the CD bit right enough. We oh, were staying we in definitely the CD bit. We got there, arrived at the, the hotel, and just the first thing we saw on the street was a sex shop. So we had so a you wee, went in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, I don't think it was open, but we had to wee chuckle about that. And then later on, after the game, we went out try to find something to eat. And uh, basically, that's all the area was. He bought a, he bought one of those flashlights, man. <laughs> Extra small. <laughs> Never knew they'd done those, but apparently they do. They've got a shape like a mouse's ear. <laughs> Um, uh, if you want to hear all about Copenhagen, not about flashlights, uh, and particularly the Celtic game, we uh, well we done quite a lot for the Celtic game, didn't we? On Patreon, we have had six pieces of exclusive Patreon content out in the last week, and we were away for four days of that week, so we'll, we we've been hard at it. We uh, we carried out a special That's not a flashlight <laughs> <laughs> We carried out a special Patreon preview. That's on there. Um, we had Melly, Jamie, and Stephen at the match. We yes. were all at the game, and we recorded that. And we also dipped our toe in a little bit of vlogging. We recorded a sort of travel football game, a yep. bit of vlog for the Patreon. It's all up there and um, the response has been brilliant. People have liked it. So I dare say we'll be doing more vlogs. Um, if you want to get in on some Patreon action, you can check that out at patreon.com slash 20 Tims. 
And if you're wondering what Patreon is, it's a subscription service where you pledge a bit of support to this podcast and in return we give you extra content and there are literally hundreds of hours of extra podcasts on Patreon at the moment from us. We now have more podcasts on Patreon than we have out on this, the, oh. the, the original TMT feed. So if you think about that, it's taken us four and a bit years to get to episode 209. There are now something in the region of 230 episodes on Patreon. That's quite a stat. Yeah, it is. Um, the reason we were in Copenhagen was to watch the Glasgow Celtic um, take on FC Copenhagen in a round 32 game of the Europa League. Match finished 1-1. Um, it was a game of two halves. <laughs> yeah, Jekyll and Hyde, so to speak, it was. But again, we'll, we'll look at it and go through the game. First half good, second half not so good. But said it before, you can improve performances and you can't improve results. And if you had a hand that us that going to the game, we would have taken it. Has he said that before? I don't think he's ever said that before. I don't know, no, that may be nah, exclusive. Yeah. thrown about claims that he said things before. <laughs> you go listen back to old 209, <laughs> you'll hear it. 1-1, um, Stephen, you'd take that before the game? Yeah, yeah, I think I would have. I think 1-1 one, one in an away tie in Europe, or away leg in Europe, is always a good result. Well, unless you've you've already played the home game and you lost 4-0, <laughs> yeah. right yeah. that's a stupid thing to say. But you know you know what I mean? If you're, play, you're playing away first and you take a score draw back home, it's always a positive. However, what I said on Melee at the Match, and bear in mind, I have never listened to it back yet because it was... Because we were a, wrecked. It was a chaotic production, <laughs> I believe, is the, the kind way to, to put it. But what my main takeaway was that, well, it's a good result. I still feel like it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. And I, I still feel like that. I'm still confident. I'm, in fact, I'm very confident that Celtic can go, th- can go through. But that second half was maybe a little bit unnecessary, a wee bit unexpected at the time as well, given the strength of the first half. But I think Celtic could have got the job done in a more convincing fashion, but I'm reasonably happy with it, I, mean, I have Neil, to say. Neil Lennon was pretty disappointed. He said he was frustrated with the first half performance, thought Celtic could have been in a few more goals yeah. up. And that was that was undoubtedly the case. We really did murder them in the first half and sort of went to pieces in the second half. Um, before the game, we recorded our pre-match thoughts there was a there's a couple of names that we wanted to single out in the lineup that we thought it could be a big game for. Um, I'll just run through the lineup for those who might have missed it. Foster, Frimpong, Julian, Ayer, Hayes, McGregor, Brown, and Cham, Christie, Forrest, and Edward. Um, someone that was singled out. We thought it'd be a big game for Frimpong, Melly coming back and at that level. Yeah, him and uh, Hayes. It was a big game because we were dropping from the three at the back into the four. Maybe gives a bit of protection, a bit more protection there. The four two three one has worked well, and or four three three as it sort of was. It has worked well uh, in Europe, but the three at the back maybe would have left us a bit exposed. But I was happy enough with the the lineup from Pong. It's a really tough game coming back in. He has he's only been out for three or so weeks, but this is we're forgetting because he's been a sort of mainstay in the team. He got gets injured and comes back in. His first ever game in Europe. Well, that's yeah. what I was about to say. Was it wasn't included in the first squad, was he? No, no. Picks. I think we were all ruined that at the time because he'd come in and established himself yep. straight away. We're thinking that's maybe an oversight not including him in. So it's it's a big ask to be thrown into an away game, of course, as well. A change of shape to accommodate certain players to get Frimpong in, and it, I stopped myself from saying looked out of place because I don't think that's. I think that might be too harsh, but I it think was. it was. Well, I think it was a. a a learning curve for him. I think it was a lesson on the night on being able to defend in Europe because he gets a lot of things his own way in domestic football. He's he's well ahead of the game, especially when it comes to opposition fullbacks when you're got most of the possession. But I think he's got a long way to go before 
he's going to be a, a solid European level fullback. But I've got every confidence he can certainly get there. Yeah, first game getting thrown in away from home. It was, you know, at the game, the atmosphere was tremendous from yeah. the Celtic fans and the Copenhagen fans. But if you're a Copenhagen, you'll look at Celtic's lineup. The lineup is very, very established, mm. apart from the two fullbacks. Johnny Hayes, obviously, it's not his natural position. And Frimpong, a 19 year old, playing his first game yeah. in Europe. Any manager with any sort of experience would go target the, the fullbacks. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's sort of what they've done, didn't they? Celtic really could have taken the lead very early on. Was it 20 seconds? Like, aye, 20 day. seconds. Edward looked as if he was absolutely in the mood. Um, another great performance from. I think Callum McGregor again. I thought yeah. he was he was really good. See but for that first, just to jump in there for that first um, chance, just within twenty seconds, I've I've noticed there because it may not sound like it, but I take some notes into this studio when we're recording. I notice what I've written there for that first chance, and I've written Edward bears down on goal after just twenty seconds. And now I just I can't get away from the fact that I just find the word bears just inherently hilarious <laughs> now <laughs> because of its overuse from a certain part of the city. Oh, they were on Clyde one last night. One of the first was a. Uh, I've seen uh, somebody tweeted that there's a lot of angry bears about <laughs> somebody actually said, said that see it's just hilarious isn't it? it's getting to Larson time with Edward as well where he misses a chance you're like I can't believe he's missed yeah. oh yeah Aye. you just think Mr. Mr. Freeze walking through there he'll bury that one missed that one he did another one the keeper sort of smothered with his About leg three minutes I think, and yeah. uh, then and Cham had the follow up as well so we, we could have been ahead and at the game I was sort of oh, we might might uh, rue that later in the game, but we just kept going at them and going at them and took the lead deservedly. So, I mean, it was, was great there for those chances, yeah, though, because sometimes you see a wee bit of hesitation when Edward is, as I say, bearing down on goal uh, when in domestic football, but that was really aggressive, like fully commitment to going out and closing the, the ball down from Edward. Um, I thought their keeper was, had a great game. We see it quite often with Celtic. We see keepers kind of rising to the occasion. The, well, the only keep, poor keeper we've played against recently has been Pereira Oof. at Hearts. But it, I think it was another cracking goalkeeping performance and especially early on because if Celtic had gone into a 20-second lead, they could have fallen apart. See, one thing you find quite interesting, if you watch that chance back just in the first pass, so obviously Ryan Christie plays up, plays Edward through, him or I think it might have been McGregor they don't follow in they just stand back and they sort of jog they're just waiting they're just they're just fully expecting Edward to he's like he's got it it's sound the first few chances in the game all came about from from mistakes because the very early on obviously this is before the 22nd mark so Celtic have got the ball all fairly comfortably they pass it all the way across the defence and Hayes takes a dodgy touch away from himself not like him no he, he is he's closed down and then he has to slide tackle his own first touch up the pitch and it falls quite kindly for Celtic and suddenly they're, they're through on goal. Edward was getting a lot of joy running in between those two, the two centre-halves. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. When you see it on his goal, he just he was beside the defender then he just drops off as in the blind side of the defender. The guy's moving, it's incredible. Edward really is reaching that. You mentioned Henrik Larson and obviously he scored and that's the first goal that we've scored in an away knockout game in Europe since Henrik Larson has scored. Yeah, I was amazed at that. I know. Was he, it nine games over the course of 17 years or something like that? Yeah. He's, a, he's reaching that elite level that Odson Edward, I was watching this game and, and like you see, you're always like you're reassured that you, you always had that reassurance that no matter if a couple of players are having bad games, you're always thinking, I but but Henrik's on the pitch. Yeah. And and that's where we're getting with Odds and Edward. Like I remember I was saying to you, Stephen, throughout the game, 
every time I'm just like I'm shouting down at you like, oh, we just need one chance because that's how you feel yeah. when Odds and Edwards on the pitch you just think we just need one chance because you could score at any moment it was all the, always the case when we went uh, in Europe with Celtic under O'Neill with Henrik Larson. it was always up against a good team tonight but then it's always but we've got Larson, so there's always a chance you'll score. He only needs one or two chances yeah. to score, and it's now it's the exact same with Edward. The one he scores is probably the hardest out of the three chances Aye. he had. <laughs> yeah. he just, oh, definitely, yeah. But I think what you're saying about it was through mistakes we were uh, we're getting a lot of joy. That could be because with Copenhagen they were rusty. They came into yeah. this off the back of one competitive game, and maybe they just weren't up to speed with Celtic in the first half, but. Second half, they obviously did improve, but Celtic just sort of blew them away in the first yeah. half. And if we went in two or three up, you, you couldn't have argued with it at all. When I say that uh, a couple of chances came from mistakes, I don't mean Copenhagen's mistakes. Uh, I mean from, yeah, because there was the Hayes one I've already described. And then there was another one where Foster had a really poor kick out. Right down the middle. Yeah, but then a sequence of events comes into play where all of a sudden it falls quite kindly for Celtic. It was a strange opening to the game. Copenhagen had a chance as well after Ayer was caught dithering on the ball a wee bit and Ndoy took it off him. He just didn't have... Ndoy turned 35 the day after the game, so he's not quite got the legs to get away from a guy like Ayer or else he might have been in trouble. Scott Brown was pretty upset about that. Uh, you could tell from the yeah. from the stand he was pretty annoyed, but managed to survive it. Um, the the first half performance, though, a lot, of the, a lot of my overall thoughts have been sort of coloured by the second half performance, but I thought there were a few good signs in the first half. I thought Encham was actually quite good, but mm-hmm. then a 15 minute spell in the second half just totally, totally ruined the, the day for him. You said it, Melly, that the, the goal Edward scored was probably the most difficult one. Great wee, great wee ball through. Was it Christy? Because I, I remember saying to you on the pre match for uh, Melly, the match that we recorded for the Patreon that. It's a goal inside 15 minutes. It'll be Ryan Christie. That's right. That's, that's kind of when he scores. He didn't score, but he turned provider, played played it right across to Edward. Uh, it was McGregor. Was it McGregor? It was Christie to McGregor. Oh, yeah, was it yeah. Christie to McGregor? It was, a, it was a very subtle wee touch from McGregor. Christie did most of the work, but McGregor just had a wee shuttle on his so left So he foot did. Then, yeah. That's right. So he did. And then uh, Edward controls it and then sort of just Dink just lifts it right over the goalkeeper with his left foot. So subtle. Yeah, it was similar to the one, obviously the dink wasn't as high. Remember the one at Aberdeen at Boxing Day where he just turned and dinked it over yeah. the keeper? But this one just waits till the keeper goes down and just dinks it over him and then runs away as if, what were you thinking? <laughs> Did you think I was going to miss it again? <laughs> no chance. that The guy the guy was classing going in 15 minutes. Fully deserved that goal, and I, I couldn't believe it because rarely have I seen them Celtic start so comfortably away from. I don't mm. think I've ever seen them start no. so comfortably. Maybe was it Stuttgart away under O'Neill where we were inside two goals inside fifteen minutes? Yeah, but yeah. this was just as good as a start. Copenhagen did have their chances in the game. The best one was probably Oviedo. Yeah, yeah, we, we talked a wee bit about him before the game um, because he's he's wee Gamby's pal. Mm. Um, he, he said he used to be a, a Celtic fan, but sadly has now turned his back on the hoops after we mistreated his poor wee chum. Good. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, he maybe should have done better. He was um, sent in down the left and you could see what he was trying to do. He tried to bend it around Foster, but it looked very, very close from when we, where we were standing uh, up, up the opposite end. But when you see it uh, with the benefit of replays, he got it fairly well wide, to be honest. He probably should have done better. The defences, again, they were kind of all at sixes and sevens. There was a couple of wee defensive issues in the game, Melee. It was, it was I think I think it's difficult because we'll speak about it later on, but just the level in class you're going up. I mean, Copenhagen aren't the best team, 
But as we've, as we've said, we don't want to underestimate team, but they're better than anything we've faced in the last, what, two months or yeah, uh, yeah, two yeah. months. Yeah. So oh, it is sure. going to be difficult. You are going to get, you don't always get punished, but they will they will create chances if you make mistakes and going in there with the two fullbacks. Maybe Julian, this is his first season in Europe. Ayer still fairly young for a centre-half. It's going to happen. Yeah. So half-time comes... Celtic are only one up. I've got to admit, I was a wee bit frustrated at that myself from the stand. Um, you really want to capitalise on this, especially in Europe. You want to take these yeah, chances. Yeah. You want to do better. And they're not always going to happen, but you, you do think you do think you're home and hosed at that yeah. point. And it's a this a comparison we keep making, obviously, but it's obviously the best frame of reference we've got. It's, if you think about that with domestic football, you always think, well, Celtic are going to get another right. chance. But even if they miss two or three first half chances against the likes of, well, just off the top of my head, for example, Kamarnik, who also played this week, even if you're getting towards the end of the game, you're still thinking Celtic could get another one here. They're going to make, create another opening. But in European football, it doesn't always feel like that you sometimes kind of think well we're going to rue those those Aye. maybe the best chances we're going to come across in the game especially away from home yeah we kept their crowd as I said it was a decent atmosphere but the two decent the two, the two, well, better than that oh come on <laughs> that but at this point it was just decent the two stands either side of us were getting a bit frustrated obviously they've got their, their wee chanters on the opposite stand from uh-huh. us but I thought if we can keep them quiet in this second half and just keep a hold of the ball, get them frustrated. If we need to clear it, just clear it and play it into the channels. Mm. Keep them going back towards the goal. We'll get a lot of joy if we can just keep that going for the first 15 minutes. But after that tsunami tune at halftime, it all changed. <laughs> it all changed. Tell you what, that is a, that's a banger. I'd forgotten yeah, yeah. all about that tune. I'm glad that Celtic eh, lifted it for the game against Commander. <laughs> we stole it. <laughs> we did bum. suggest that where we were away. If they take anything away from this this trip, it, is, it should be that. Instead. And beer. And, yeah, yeah. and beer. Oh, God, I. Well, there was there was some hilarious rumours doing the rounds the, the following day, I think it was. that I still don't know if these are true or not. <laughs> Copenhagen had actually been selling his uh, non-alcoholic beer throughout, throughout the game. I don't know if I buy it. The problem is when you get to the stadium, you're so gassed already. (laughs) I was going to say, look, we walked to the stadium, which took us 50 minutes or something like that. So if we'd gone that whole walk, the whole game, then the whole walk back with non-alcoholic beer during the game, we would have been absolutely stone toast over. And let me tell you, we were not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So evidence is right there. It's a crank wee stadium, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I say we, it's what, 40,000? There's 40,000 people there. They've got like their singing section directly opposite from where Celtic were singing the whole stand was rocking at points yeah that was, that was quite cool they thought the whole stand was bouncing up and down it was brilliant I said uh, I heard someone saying that they're, they're not normally like that it's just because the way the Celtic fans were yeah, absolutely yeah. taunto on the night they felt the need to upgrade it they had the light show it's, a, it's good to go to a, a club like that all four sides of the stadium were filled in I like that yeah, as yeah. well everything was pretty sound the atmosphere outside the ground as well we forgot to mention that as yeah. you would oh, say yeah, the walk up yeah. Stephen they've got all these like wee stands selling beer yeah. and there's a DJ booth and there's hot dogs everywhere it's, that's great you've not got Paulus batting you about telling you to bolt and that no the Paulus yeah, and the Paulus are nice yes. they were making jokes they were really nice barely even visible I wasn't really even aware of police to it obviously they were there but it's not like the, the best referees are when you don't notice them and it's the same with the police in that regard I get searched they never found a tripod in my pocket I thought you guys are useless did you get that out of sex shop the light show was it was 
The light show was quaint, wasn't it? It's not quite Celtic, ah, it's not but Celtic we will Park. show them cute. how it's done on Thursday. It was cute. Yeah, yeah. No, it was cute. Uh, it, a weird... all be like, is that it? Is that it? <laughs> a weird aesthetic to some of the stadium because a lot of it looked like an office block. Aye. Especially all behind us was just all, all windows and the bit off to the left of the stand we were in it looked a bit like the Sky Park in the town. It was like a bit kind of like, Heart, It looked like Hartley Midlothian's new stadium. Aye. Um, as we discussed, you know, Celtic's second half performance paled in comparison to the first half performance, and that sort of was borne out in the stats. Always a tricky one reading stats off a page for a podcast, but um, the Celtic's XG in the first half, mainly, which, as we know, is the expected goals based on the quality of shots they're having was 1.7 compared to Copenhagen's 1.04. So that tells you the story of that is that Celtic actually should have scored more goals than just yep. the one they mm. should have been on course. Celtic second half XG, 0.67. Oh. That's that's definitely less. That sure is less. <laughs> Copenhagen's, one less. Copenhagen's actually stayed the same. So the chances, the quality of chances they were creating was reasonably the same as the first half, but Celtic were just basically capitulated. Celtic's first half possession was 53%. Their second half possession was only 28%. Really? Oh. Yeah, that's quite stark, yeah. You could probably tell that from watching the game. Yeah, that, 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 the, the one word that I, I took away for the game was, was wastage. You know, yeah, the, yeah. the amount of wasted passes and the wasted chances. Lucky we did have a few babies because if that was a, another game where I wasn't drinking, I'd be palpitations. <laughs> it was um, passing accuracy, Celtic's first half and second half, it, um, it sank from 83% to 73%. But I thought the most telling stat is it's it's called passes per defensive action allowed and it's it's a bit wordy, but what it basically means is how many passes you let the other team have before you break it up. So right, okay. it, it shows how under the cost you are. Um, Celtic's first half, 6.2. So 6.2 passes at Copenhagen were allowed before Celtic broke it up. Right, okay. Second half, 9. And that's higher. Well, it, well, it is yeah. higher because Celtic's league average is only 7.8. Um, Hamilton, who are the bottom of the table? for giving you some domestic context is 11.3 so that 9 passes per defensive action they allowed a Copenhagen to have they really invited a lot of pressure on themselves there do you think we we were lucky in the second half melee to escape with it? Yeah I think we definitely were it, it was very frustrating to watch it was it just seemed to be like what's changed apart mm. from a whistle blowing you going and sitting down for 15 minutes and come back out because see if they had played three quarters as good as the first half we'd have got another goal but to drop off to a quarter that is terrible reference so how do you judge a performance in quarters but <laughs> I know <laughs> if, if they had been anywhere near as good as the first half they went but the drop off was absolutely massive and it was just simple things like pass to your own player or <laughs> yeah. do something control the ball it's as if I don't know what changed. It, it was it was worrying to see. We, we tried to make subs to do it. Then when Scott Brown got off, went off injured, you thought everything was starting to go against us. But at the end of the day, we came out with a decent result. So it wasn't as big a collapse as it could have been because maybe that's something to do with Copenhagen. If it was a, a better team, they might have done it. But we held on, thankfully. The day before we travelled, we recorded a dedicated preview um, for, for Patreon. Um, where we talked about some of Copenhagen's danger players. Now, to give a peek behind the curtain, we concentrated quite a lot on a guy who left that same day. So we had to basically just change the plan as soon as we turned the microphones on. They, if you weren't aware, sold basically their top scorer this season to Astana, another old foe. So we earmarked Damien Doy and Zeka as the two players to watch, and that out in the in the in what we saw, Damien Doy obviously scored, um, yeah. but Zeka I thought in the second half he 
he looked like a very good player. Um, he basically took over, sprayed passes around quite a bit. I think the the comparison we settled on, um, which it's a very obvious comparison, was Scott Brown. And he's not like Scott Brown because if you make that comparison, it conjures up images of you know getting getting in a bit snarl. It, Scott Brown's reputation rather than the player yeah. he actually is. So. When you look past that, what we really meant was that he's the guy who controls everything, who who dictates the play, who who basically stitches everything together. And I thought he he kind of took over in that regard in the second half. More passes and higher accuracies he could had than anyone else on the pitch, bar right. his own centre half and every single member of the Celtic team. Right, yeah, not surprised. That was the difference in the second half, where the way Celtic were playing the first half, were passing about getting a. a Edwards feet and creating chances for him. Second half, we're under the caution, we're having to go long and we're just giving him nothing to feed off. He, he's not the kind of guy that's going to win headers and that's it. He'll try it, but it's just not his game. We have yeah. to get any channels for him to chase, but we were just giving him all the wrong balls. It was all long balls up. Their defenders were winning it. Whereas we contrast uh, that to Copenhagen, I think you called him Velcro chest, but Doy was just holding absolutely yeah. everything up. And, and that's what we identified, that's what we, we thought was the plan with him, wasn't it? That was the difference, he was holding things up, bringing these wide players into play, bringing other players into play, and they were working off that, whereas with Celtic it was just coming back. And there's maybe one thing we lacked going into January, we thought if we're going to buy a striker, be a sort of Dembele, more a target man that, mm, that is yeah. that type, something different, but we just don't have that, unfortunately, and it sort of put us under a bit of pressure. I thought Julian done well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was a rock. I think I joked on Mel at the match that uh, Hayes, Frimpong and I are owe him 40% <laughs> yeah. of their paychecks for that game. No, no, I thought he was he was a defensive rock that night. I think a few dodgy moments early on, but in the second half, he, he held it all together. He won 11 out of 11 duels. Wow. Yeah, well, that's duels, big duels. Aye, big duels, <laughs> wins his duels. <laughs> just to take us back to Ndoy, just, just briefly, there was a moment in the second half where uh, two players we've already talked about Ndoy and Brown were challenging for the ball Ndoy's not quick but he and Brown were both chasing for the ball he's, but he's, the difference is he's just so strong yeah. that once he kind of gets his body in between you and the ball <laughs> good luck getting off him I thought he was excellent a guy who's done the rounds he's he's played most all over Europe a bit of a journeyman but he's, he is Copenhagen's all-time top scorer and you don't do that for any club by accident I was watching like Sazeki and I was thinking to myself when I was talking to you at the game I was like how much would it cost to buy him? Can he be much? Eight hundred thousand, probably a million. Can he be? No, he's thirty-one, right enough. But no, no sell-on value. Not for well, that. That's, that's probably it. There's no sell-on value. But I often find when we play these middling to lower-end European teams that are a bit like the same as ourselves. Quite often, they've always got a really old guy who's pure class. <laughs> Remember Mulder? Forty-year-old guy who scored. That's there's right. Al- there's always one that old guy that's pure class. Now you know what teams might look at us and go, "That guy Scott Brown is unbelievable," because. Yeah. I think Scott Brown must be one of the oldest outfield outfield players in the Europa League still. Uh, I, I'd probably yeah. hazard a guess that he might be the oldest. Outfield, well, he's well, not, is he older than Stephen Davis? Uh, no, no, no. I think he's I think he's slightly younger than Davis, and he's younger than by a, a bit by but Indoy. Oh well, there yeah. you go. But Scott, well, point I'm making is Scott Brown must be in that bracket. So teams oh, yeah, maybe definitely. look at Scott Brown and go. That guy's that guy's thirty. What? And he's still charging about there doing what? Um, unfortunately, Scott Brown did go off with a, a rare injury. It's yep. always worrying to see Scott Brown go down because he very rarely gets taken off. Yeah, um, it's a guy. He's obviously had niggling issues throughout his career, but that seems to have cleared up entirely. He just seems to have kind of fought his way through these niggling hip injuries. And you know why? Why? Vegan? No, just yoga. 
It's this thing he does called playing every game. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, yeah. But the, the, he has had niggling issues throughout his career, but you very rarely see him going off injured. It's not, it's not something you often see from Scott Brown. So at least, Celtic, at least Celtic put you at ease by giving absolutely no injury reports. I'm having a look here, <laughs> and still as we record this. He'll be back for Thursday. There's a good chance him and Forrest will be back. Oh, is there? That's it's... good. I'm glad, obviously, that's uh, it's good to get that update. But the problem I had when Scott Brown went off was sort of lost a bit of discipline, didn't we? Yeah, I thought we did lose a bit of discipline, but I also thought maybe it was a wake-up call for the rest of the players. Captain Invincible isn't there anymore. Mm. We have to rely on us on ourselves. We need to get through this ourselves. And as we said after the game, exact same as the League Cup final, when the chips are down, who steps up to the plate? Your goalkeeper, who you pay a fortune, your big centre-half, who you paid £7 million for, and your striker, who you paid £9 million for, gets the goal... You get what you pay always for, Pedro. Most, always the most expensive. Always, it's like seeing you're going to a night always out. Always the same. Always, always the same. same. <laughs> seeing you're going to a night out, Melly, you're going to a special night out. It's a big one. What do you wear? Most expensive shirt, most expensive trousers, and your most expensive shoes. Always go back to the most expensive <laughs> gear, and that never lets you down. And it's the same with Celtic. I put my icon hat on. And I go, <laughs> <laughs> go out there dressed like Ryan Kent. <laughs> um, so Stephen Melly asked us to mention the fact that he predicted there would be um, VAR. And he stipulated that. In fact, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going on this podcast unless you big me up for my predictions. That's twice you've sold me out. <laughs> so there was VAR in the game. We got a first taste of VAR. Um, and Melly, you rightly predicted there would be a penalty in the game. Uh, what, what was your VAR experience? See, because there's a lot of stuff about VAR at the moment about how it removes from the crowd experience. Mm. Now, I can understand if it's a goal and there's VAR. Yeah. That, that's kind of annoying. But I thought, you know, that was quite exciting. Yeah, in a way, it certainly was. Uh, before we obviously get, get done with it. and it was. I was waiting for the old fingers. Yeah, to be yeah. I, um, <laughs> there was a certain amount of anticipation. Like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen here. That's the first time any Scottish football player, uh, any Scottish team rather, has um, had any kind of involvement in VAR. Yep. So it's a, a brave new world for us. Uh, there was a bit of excitement around about it, but the thing was, I was in no doubt that the penalty was going to be given because while I didn't see the incident at the time, because we were way up the other end and it was a very a very subtle thing, even watching it back in the replay, you obviously you can make out what happens, but the reaction of the crowd was so strong and so yeah. prolonged that they thought there's no way. They've obviously seen something fairly blatant down there that the crowd were roaring for it. But watching VAR recently, there's a lot of confusion about it, especially in English football, where the ref doesn't really seem to be involved in the decision making. But this was going back to the World Cup thing where yeah. the ref actually goes over to the side and judges for himself. So we had, we had everything. everything oh, so is this a different type of VAR that they've got in the yeah, Premier League? Kind for of? some reason no, no, they don't no. do it. I don't think it's different. I think this is how it's meant to be done yes, and right. done. I think, I, the, I think in England everybody's so scared of it but everywhere else like, if a referee hears something they, they usually say that we think that should be a penalty yeah. instead of English refs going oh wait I'll go and have a look and take less time waiting on you to decide that guy done that perfectly he thought right I think it might have been I'll go and check made the signal watched it and I can't have any complaints because it was a handball yeah, yeah, it was right. a penalty you don't want to see it given against your team but it was a handball and it was a penalty, so fair enough. That's how it should be used, not not the way they used in England. Yeah, I, I didn't have any problem with the decision at all. I think even even Chris Sutton said in commentary while the decision was being made, having watched it back now, uh, he said, I, I just can't see this not being given, yeah. to be honest. So, no, fair, fair enough. But from that point... I was grabbing everyone who would listen round about me, just grabbing their collars. Like, Fraser's got this Even big. The guy that was sleeping. The guy who was sleeping. <laughs> the wee guy that was yes. I have to say, there were a few casualties at the game, <laughs> I have to say. There was all sorts of humanity going on. And um, 
a few interesting smells up the back of the stand as well. Uh, not to give anything away, but uh, I had, Wiz Khalifa and yeah, Snoop Dogg were <laughs> the game. Eh? Basically, felt like I was standing next to Exhibit. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I was uh, just grabbing strangers, saying, No, Big Fraser's got this. Don't worry, don't worry. And sure enough, it's actually remarkable how often we've spoken about it just this season, about how confident we are in Fraser Foster saving penalties. I believe that's his fourth already, his penalty save out of, is it seven or eight now, now that Kilmarnock have played, which is absolutely unbelievable. 50-50 chance. <laughs> again, it's, it sounds like the most obvious thing to say in the world, and we've said it before, but just to reiterate, a penalty is supposed to be a punishment for <laughs> the, the defending team. It's supposed to be easier for the striker to score than for the keeper to save it, but it's just not the case with Fraser Foster. There was a an interesting stat doing the rounds after the weekend there where Casper Schmeichel saved one against Man City, and Man City can't, cannot score a penalty for love nor money just now, but Schmeichel saved one, and he has now overtaken his dad in penalties saving the Premier League onto five but he saved his first one in August 2007. So it's taken him 13 years to, <laughs> to, to save five Premier League penalties. It's taken Foster, what, about 40 games this season to save four. <laughs> He's, uh, Craig Gordon has saved one penalty out of 20 right. taken against them at Celtic. Right. Fraser Foster has saved 11 out of 22. Fraser Foster oh, saved 5% is... of his penalties. Um, no, Fraser Foster saved 50% while Craig Gordon has only saved 5 As they used to say on the internet for a while, let that sink in. Hon- yeah. Honestly, just take a take a moment and pause on that stat because it's absolutely outrageous. How do you beat him? Uh, well, we How, you're, you're, you're standing up to take a penalty to Fraser Foster. How do you beat him? Because I think Eamon Brophy done the exact right thing. Yeah, he, he took a risk, Brophy. Obviously, the, the game we'll talk about more later on. He took a risk by putting it so high because you'd think that would play into Foster's strengths. But I, I've noticed Foster's... Foster goes see if it's low. Yeah, Foster saves it most mm, of yeah. the time if Seems it's low. Um, but I, I'd probably just run up, pass it straight to him, and he probably pass me it back, and then there you go. <laughs> well, you can score, try yeah. and score your <laughs> own rebound. <laughs> yeah, his passing is shocking. It defies logic though that the lower you go, the the easier it is for Lord him to hard, save that's it. Because what I was told. for a guy who's six foot seven. You'd think that anything in the region of his arms is going to be the, the easiest thing, but it just as I say, it defies all logic that he gets down to these things so quickly. So another, another incredible save. It seemed to be just a fingertip onto the post, and there was that horrible moment where the ball oh, again, him. yeah, from our end, we just see the ball creeping behind him, only for it to go out the other side. Brilliant. I think because we'd been under the cosh so long, we were getting really nervous, frustrated, but that that really did give us something to hold on oh, to yeah. because see if that had him went in, your captain going off, everything seemed to be going against you, two one up and you'd need to be holding holding on it and hoping you didn't concede another goal. I think that gave us to belief that right, we can hold on to this now, we can get through this. And I thought while we went great after that, it did give us belief that right, he's got us out of jail here. We need to hold on to this result. Fraser Foster is worth his weight in gold oh. and Celtic just need to go and buy him and I think he, he, he must be must be amenable to a deal at Celtic because his career now is red, red hot once again. Yeah, and just going by like, social media reaction, obviously there was a lot of a lot of hype around him saving yet another penalty and we've just spoken about it, but there was a few Southampton fans who had cottoned on to it saying, look, this guy, we need to give this guy another chance. He's absolutely top class. Look at how he's playing in Europe. They obviously cited the Lazio performances and everything. But a lot of them are just like, look, the guy's happy. 
The guy's mm-hmm. happy where he is. He's not going to come back here, and he to and he might not be the first choice. I think it's just gone now. I think a lot of Southampton fans are resigned to the fact that he just belongs at Celtic. So I don't I don't think they expect him back. I think it seems like the most natural thing in the world for him to just come back to Celtic. However, that's not how it works in football. It's not yeah. it's not nature that does it. It's the old cabbage. So I mean, we'll, he's, we'll see he'll, if done. he's getting to that age. You know, you'd like to think. I mean, you never know what options might be open to yeah. him. Some like his option might not be Southampton or Celtic. His option might be somebody else maybe looking at him yes, going this sir. guy's pretty good and you know Man City love to sign like a third choice English keeper or yeah. uh, you know an English player's good for the, the homegrown thing that they, they have in England or something. Yeah. You but know he's I mean? already been obviously in Newcastle but somebody there were a lot of teams who would probably look at Foster when I say it's about money I, I don't mean to imply there that he is motivated solely by money that's the last thing I mean by money I just mean that if you're so far apart in wages then probably get a few quid anyway no, I don't. No, no doubt, yeah. Probably got a few quid tucked away. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was about 77 minutes. Was that about the 77 minutes? Celtic changed a 4 4 2 just before the penalty went in about the hour mark. Celtic mm. mixed it up a wee bit. Um, McGregor found himself bearing down on goal. And very uncharacteristically, McGregor made the wrong decision because he's a player that doesn't tend to make an awful lot of wrong decisions, mm. does he? No, he didn't. But I think uh, the free in midfield did get caught a lot on the ball. Yeah. Uh, but it. <sighs> It's hard. It's a difficult one. Look, you've been under the cosh that long. You finally get one chance. You're maybe a bit apprehensive. You said it before we were chatting here, Stephen. Don't mean to steal your thunder, but it was more difficult watching it back than we thought at the yeah, game. Yeah. It, it was a bit further out. Taking the shot on probably was a right move, but you were talking about Edward and how it just yeah. maybe the moves weren't right. I think the watching it back now. I think the the position of Copenhagen's last defender made it very difficult for for McGregor to sort of spring the trap, as it were. He's holding back, he's holding back. What you would expect to happen is for Edward to eventually be in line with the defender, and at that point you send them through because he's beaten the offside trap. That never really came until McGregor was eventually closed down. The chance never came. The defender was too far off Edward to, to safely think about playing him through one-on-one. I still think it was ultimately the wrong decision to shoot, but I, I I do understand. I do have sympathy with him that the move just didn't work out the way he wanted it to. Probably just a bit of fatigue kicking in. Because Maybe, yeah. We know Aye. he can finish those. He just always usually finds that corner, but he just put it too high. Speaking of the decisions and so on, obviously we made slight reference to the Copenhagen's goal and Doy had scored. And Cham got the blame for... And rightly so, got the blame for the breakdown of possession there. Rose Ed, Dilly Dally. Yes, um, the th- the thing with that is, obviously, people would look at that and think, oh, why are you, are you trying to sort of showboat there and it's such a dangerous position? But I think it's one of those, it's an extremely high-risk, high-reward move that he has fallen foul of it and cost Celtic a goal. But if that had worked, if he'd managed to pirouette away from, from the Copenhagen player, Celtic are away. Celtic yep. are, are fully away and they've got the length of the pitch to do what they want with it. However, it didn't work out. Unfortunately, it didn't pay off and Copenhagen scored. Yeah, it's just that thing. Everybody talks about it. How Why the Celtic struggle in, struggle in Europe? It's going from playing against slugs like Aberdeen <laughs> at the weekend where yes. Derek McInnes has got absolute mugs playing from. Whereas slugs playing, and mugs. Slugs and mugs. And then you go up to Copenhagen and Look, that goes through that guy. That is a difficult finish, and he's put that in yeah. off the post. It's an incredible finish. It's just levels. It's Indoy or Cosgrove. So, so that performance was kind of like um, see if you've read the Ugly Duckling, but from <laughs> back to front. Right. <laughs> that that's kind of what that right, yeah. that performance okay. was at Celtic there. So so we escaped Copenhagen with a draw. Bring them back to Parkhead on Thursday. Demolish them, mate. 
Well, I don't know about demolish them. They were decent, but in the end, it was a good result. You'd always take one each away from home. You've got that away goal, especially with the way the game panned out or falling out of it. We get the penalty save. They really will rue missing that because I've said rue a lot of the night, but <laughs> uh, they will rue missing that because it's going to be t- difficult for them at Celtic Park. We're, yeah. a, we're a different beast there. Yeah. We've got the we've got the Green Brigade, we've got the better lights, we've got the bigger stadium. It's I did going notice to be that, a belter. I did notice that their sort of singing section was about three times the size of ours, which I was quite surprised at. They had mm. that whole stand that was yeah. going to until. Um, how are you going to line up? Are you going to go the same way? Uh, you seen a return to the three five two? I would. I think we could start with that. Yeah, uh, you you put me under the spot here because <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying desperately to find a way to get El Yunusi back in the team. Mm. But again, with him not playing at the weekend, getting much game time, I don't see it happening. And again, we saw it the weekend. We'll come on to it, obviously, but after Kumarot scored, we absolutely blew them away, and we're playing with that formation, but. It's going to be a few tough decisions. If Forrest makes it, it's either going to be him or Frimpong. I think Greg Taylor will keep his place over Johnny Hayes. But again, you could probably give it to Edward. But Griffiths and Edward getting their goals at the weekend. So everybody's everybody's playing well. Would you face up Griffiths and Edward against Copenhagen and be doing the damage domestically? Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, the only... To combine both these subjects, I think the only way you can get Ilyanusi into the team is maybe... In this formation, at the expense of Griffiths, do you, yeah. if you play him as a sort of second, slightly inside forward, it's not something we've seen much of. So I doubt well, that's that. Your way, wasn't yeah, it? I doubt that we would see it um, after so long. Where El Yunusi maybe just um, fighting his way back from injury. So I you'll need doubt, to have a dynamite week in training to make. Yeah, that game, I, I, think. I can't see. I can't see such a radical change coming for for that game. I I just I don't see any reason to break them up unless one of them has an injury, which Griffiths took a knock and didn't play in the in the first leg. So. Um, I think so I think I agree that we'd maybe see the three five two. I think Taylor I have my reservations about Taylor now I you think do? yeah I think uh, of the Kilmarnock game I thoroughly enjoyed the game but I, I, I just don't think he's that good yet no I've not written him off um, I, I said when Taylor came into the team that I think he deserves the 25 odd games that Bowling Goli got before sure, we made right. a, a firm judgement on them but I'm just I'm not I'm not quite getting it with Taylor I'm, he, I think I'm willing him to to, to do better and when I said before the Copenhagen game that I'd rather see Bolingoli in the team than Hayes which I probably would I think I'm guilty of doing that thing where a player has just got better now that he's been out of the team for yeah. like six or seven weeks Taylor I, I want to be the first choice left back I want someone to grab it because we've got three players there but I'm I'm not really seeing it with him yet I, I probably agree with you that I'm not 100% sold on Taylor I don't think going forward the rest of the season, I think he should be the number one choice yeah. if, if his uh, performances merit it. But he has got a lot of improving to do. But out the three of them, he's still the the least crap. Well, and, no, no. What I was going to say, what I thought you were going to say, and I was hoping you were going to say it there, was out the three of them, he's the most likely to do that improving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, in an effort to be positive about it. Least crap wasn't the best way I could <laughs> it, it, I, I know, but... It, I think I, that's a poor position to have ended up in, though, because I, I was quite impressed when Celtic heavily invested in the full-back positions in the summer there. And I, I, I was delighted with that because for a long time we were... We're struggling, not not with Tierney, obviously, but we knew Tierney was away and Lustig had been on the decline. I thought, oh, really, we're really giving ourselves some really good options there. But of the three left backs, we've not really, we've, nobody has. has Look, I'm going to stick up for Taylor here. We need to, we need to ease up. The guy's only just turned twenty two. Yeah, and he's, it's only a dozen games. After it's all, only yeah. only. I, st- I still think he, going forward, he is definitely the best option. But yeah. with him, 
I see there is improvement to make, but with him, I think he could do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because he's yeah. got the defensive bit. He's maybe just not used to playing as this wing back because that means he has to be the main the main threat going down the left and he's maybe just adjusting to that. But he's definitely a better footballer than the other two. Yeah, but you've got to remember, as I said a couple of weeks ago, he's comfy, Kamarnock. He's used to playing a very conservative style. Yeah. I think what Greg Taylor needs is confidence, and I just think that you need to give the guy yeah. a chance. I think there's no point, as you said, Steve, Bowling Goalie had his chance. Mm. It's no worked out for a Bowling Goalie. Johnny Hayes, manager, sees something, and we've had that discussion a million times. I think Greg Taylor is absolutely fine, but I do think that he struggles um, in that wing-back position because he doesn't really have the engine. He'd have crossed the halfway line more times in a quarter of a season with Celtic than he would have done in two seasons with Kamalik. Kamalik are a team that are perennially under pressure. The end of it plays against... um, or plays for Steve Clark's Kamarnock team's not exactly going to be a buccaneering fullback, <laughs> no, is he? No, but we, we said, I remember us saying at the end of last season, Greg Taylor, he made the team of the season, Melly, you said sign him, get yeah, him signed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, and I, I think we need, uh, we need to stick by him, I think he's done well, and that brings us nicely into the Kamarnock game that saw a return to 3-5-2. We already spoke about him, Eamon Brophy um, scored, the, scored the early goal, was that a penalty? Yeah, yes. Even yeah. though he was offside? Uh, well, yeah, I had heard that, but the, the VAR not the, the, Imagine the, Scottish referees doing VAR. Oh, Jeebus. They couldn't even do the sign right. <laughs> <laughs> there are a number of ways that you could fix refereeing in Scotland. I remember it's never been trialled as far as I'm aware, but um, Mel and I at a recent game were talking about that it's been kind of mooted around the place that you could maybe have a referee in each half and they'd be kind of communicating through earpieces and all that. They'd be arguing with each other. Did you see that one, brother? No, no, (laughs) neither did I. Imagine their handshakes before the game. (laughs) (laughs) But but we're a long way... Just get their foreign refs. (laughs) Oh, do you remember that? What a golden era of Scottish football that was when they went on strike and we had to get (laughs) some foreign competent refs in. Why did they go on strike? Uh, Because of Celtic or something. I can't Because a referee lied to Neil Lennon about giving a penalty. A linesman grassed everybody in. He got sacked from being a linesman and then uh, Neil Lennon and the Celtic complained about it and the refs went well if you're going to complain about us being Masons we'll not yeah. referee your games he brought, he brought it on himself <laughs> and then um, we get that wee guy from Malta where we saw he's fantastic <laughs> yeah. bring it back I say but yeah we're we're a long way off VAR in Scotland unfortunately the problem with that was it looked offside well not really because we'll have it Thursday won't we oh yeah yeah well here we go <laughs> but the problem with it was it looked offside from the replays but the the camera angles we get in Scottish football are so crap that there's almost no way of knowing. Even at Scottish um, at Celtic Park, we only had the one the yeah. one angle from yeah. from the stand, so it's impossible to make a firm judgment on that. From the replay we saw, it looked as if Brophy's head and chest was probably ahead of Joe's. Over. It's just it's very difficult to make uh, a judgment. See, aside for the offside thing, I think. It was just clumsy. It was yeah, clumsy it was. by Jozo and it was a stone wall. Really. It took a weird break. Jozo got his foot to the ball first and it broke under his body. It kind of went behind him. I don't quite know what the mechanics are. Backspin? Yeah, yeah right. I think so. <laughs> and then he made no complaints whatsoever. He just walked away with his head down, so which, which tells me he was resigned to it. Uh, and uh, as we discussed, good penalty from Eamon Brophy. Yes. Would you take him, Melly? Would you take Eamon Brophy? Uh, I see. There's, yep. a lot of ch- there's a lot of chat. Um, we've got a group chat with our history boys and there's a few guys in particular that do the History Boys podcast, Gilly, um, who you will have heard if you subscribe to the Patreon. Yes. And he's a he's a he's a fan of Brophy. I just don't think he's good enough. I think the idea of Eamon Brophy scoring for Celtic is good because of the name and Father <laughs> Brophy and all that. But no, because then we used to do this under Ronnie Dyler and look at the state we ended up in. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not I, one or two gems will come through, but he's not an out and out goal scorer. And we've just bought Klamala, Bio, 
Name any striker recently we've played that hadn't previously had a goal scoring re- a good goal scoring record. Do they turn out good? No. I think Brophy's got about six in his last eight games just now, but he'd previously gone at zero in his previous eight games. Second time he's opened a scoring at Celtic Park this season, right enough. The the thing with Brophy is nah, he's, ne- he's never good enough to, to come in and trouble Edward or even Griffiths. But is he better than Bio? Arguably. There are, there are probably a few strikers. Aye, but I'm not falling not... into that trap where I assume everybody who signs for Celtic is automatically better than everybody else in the league because it doesn't certainly doesn't look like it. I well hold on, but we can't have the, the, the bar for your new striker being is he better than Bio because no, but we signed Bio in the last eighteen months. Aye, but if Eamon Brophy's better than Bio, they could still both be not good enough for Celtic. Yep. Yeah, well, that's true, but I've absolutely no doubt that Brophy would, would be a better fit than the, it, the guys were. I don't even know if he'd play more games, to be perfectly honest with For you. For the record, I, I don't I don't want Eamon Brophy, but I just mean Celtic have got a third-choice striker just now who probably isn't in the top 15 strikers in the league, which is, <laughs> which is, which is, which is remarkable. There, no, there, no are, there, there are strikers out there that score in pretty much every weekend, and Bio looks... Again, I don't like fall down this, this rabbit hole of just having a go at Bio, but like, would, would Dodge be worse? Would... would London yeah. Dykes be worse the we, bio we, yeah, well, bear in mind we need a third choice striker so it's either bio or one of these guys no I would well it's not because what would happen this summer was we just cleared them all out um, <laughs> and, and probably Clamala as well to be honest <laughs> um, this game saw a return to a much fancied midfield three melee of a uh, Rogic McGregor and Ryan Christie oh yes a lot of people really liked that was it last Tim, season Tim's a flutter uh, last, was it season before last or last season uh, it was that? last season when yeah. Kilmarnock scored just as we'd heard Rangers had conceded as well so <laughs> the crowd started getting up but as you said the midfield free it was last season when uh, Brown got injured and we'd been poor up to about October time hadn't we but when it was Christy, Rogic and McGregor right up to the last game before the January break when we get beat by Rangers they were absolutely sensational and some of the footwork between the two of them was oh, yeah. incredible Christy and McGregor's work rate was absolutely sensational Callum McGregor again Dropped to the base of midfield and he get better. <laughs> Do you know he what? moved him from a position he's been playing in recently and he get better. Christie sort of dropped a bit deeper. It was McGregor with Christie and Rogic ahead of that, but obviously Rogic was the furthest forest. But Christie dropping into the number eight, the work rate the guy put in, considering he's been out injured for a while, and Rogic. If only they scored it with the topped off a really good performance for I them. was thinking about this during the game um, where I was watching it and I just thought, I very recently said, it might even been the last week's podcast where I said, if you if you put McGregor at the base of midfield, particularly alongside Brown, not on his own, but you, you just don't get necessarily see the best out of him going forward and, and so on. Do you know what? I'm wrong and frankly... I don't give a shit where he plays. I just, <laughs> I just, I just want him to play, and he's a, a fantastic midfielder, Cal oh. McGregor. I just don't want him at left back before yeah. before anyone thinks I mean that. But I don't, I don't care where he plays in midfield because he's he's good enough to do any of it. Linked to Leicester once again. Mm. Um, he could, I mean, he, he could certainly cut it the Premier League. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's any question. Um, are you nervous about that link? A little bit. Um, he is the player I'm most nervous about potentially leaving Celtic. Edward aside, of course, because I think we're all, all but resigned to yeah. that in, in the not-too-distant future. But Callum McGregor, I am a little bit I mean, bit the rumours were strong last summer, weren't they? 
that he was yeah, on, he was yeah. on the verge of going or he wanted to go. There was some chat that he he was upset that he didn't get the chance to speak to Leicester at the time. Mm. It could be completely unfounded, but that's you know he can search for that on on whichever platform you and like. And if you it find is. it on Twitter, it's definitely true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those those are the rules. I, I would be worried about Callum McGregor going, particularly going into such a big season next Especially year. Especially with Scott Brown's age as well. Going uh, of course, yeah. Season. We can't afford to lose Brown and the natural successor to Brown in the one go. No, not really. Yeah, of course. <laughs> We're not going to lose Brown next season, but he will be approaching 36. He'll be in his 36th year yeah. by the time next season rolls around. So to lose, for him to be another year older and to potentially lose Callum McGregor, I think could be potentially devastating because we know Celtic will not plan for it. <laughs> Aside from Sorrow coming in, who we know almost nothing about. So, um, well, in a Celtic shirt in that regard. Um, I, I can't imagine at the moment a Celtic team without Callum McGregor in it. He did sign a contract in 2018, then he did sign another one last year uh, to 2024, which sort of gives indication that that's a reward or something to keep to keep some people at base. So Celtic do hold all the cards. I, I would a captain. He's got to be <sighs> looking yeah. at that. Aye. Oh, anyone, just give me anything. I've you said know? that before on here. Right enough. Yeah, I know. Someone else. Well, I said last week, I don't, uh, it wasn't on the bad, I said to use my array, see that Scott Sinclair contract we we get freed up wages and didn't do anything with it. I said give it to Edward after the form, form he's been on. Just split it between Edward and Griffiths. <laughs> As a wee bonus. Edward and McGregor. Yeah. There you go, boys, you have that half, you have that half. Stay for the 10 and then do what you want. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if McGregor left last the next year or the end of the season. I'd be absolutely yeah. devastated to see it though. But, you know, any questions that that guy could cut at the Premier League? Breeze nah, it, absolutely nah, breeze yeah. it. Um, there's a guy there midfield, Tom Rogic, who is sort of making his return to the side. I, I kind of thought Tom Rogic's the best days were behind him, I said on the podcast a couple of months ago. Nope, so nope, nope. so far we're in, well, Melly disagrees, so far we're in, what month is this, Melly? This is February. Tom Rogic has played eight games for Celtic mm. in all competitions all season and has completed 90 minutes how many times? None. Twice. Oh. So he's completed two 90 minutes, no bad for Tom Rogic. Um <laughs> Do you think Neil Lennon sees him as a bit of a luxury? I mean, he's he was class and he was good in this game, but mm. do you think Neil Lennon sees him as a bit of a luxury? I don't know if he maybe sees him as a bit of a luxury. It's been difficult for the guy to A, get fit and B, get into the team. And he's not out of the team because he's not been playing well. He's out of the team because the players ahead of him have played well. Yeah. It's just been unfortunate for him. He always seems to be injured. And in that time, we've had really good performances from... McGregor, Brown and Christie and Cham couldn't even get into that and Cham came back in and when he came in he had been really good recently, one or two dips but again he's a young player so it is difficult for Rodgers to get into it but what, what happens everybody's like, oh, he doesn't really play we should get rid of him and get the money in but we don't do anything with the money and what happens in a game like this where you don't have Tom Rogic and Browning and Cham are injured, who, who comes well, in well, then? Well you're just spot on because this game had big implications for the league and the thing that are taking us ahead in the league here is strength and depth. Strength and depth, Melly says Stephen, and it's our squad depth that allows us to do this. Now, we said a couple of weeks ago, fair enough Rangers signed Hadji and he seems to be doing pretty well for them, yeah. but they're looking at their bench and they've got guys there that they can't rely on. The manager's saying it, we're looking at our bench and we are spoiled. Now, we sat here at the beginning of the season after Peter Law said, no big rebuild required and we went, Peter, Aye. Your bum, <laughs> in, in uh, less kind words. But looking at that team, Jozo, Ayer, Rogic, McGregor, Christie, Griffiths, Edward, all here last season, Scott Brown would be playing if he was there, still there. Is it the strength and depth here that's guiding us through? Is it, is it doing a lot for us, this Celtic team? Oh, yeah, they're 
we've suffered an awful lot of injuries this season and never really suffered too heavily no. as a result. There, there are always players who seem to come in and we've given Neil Lennon an awful lot of credit for being able to do that to be yeah. with fashion teams. Edward um, as well, wasn't he? He was injured for a period. This yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, we've had Frimpong out for, for a while, even though we'd never really expected him to make the impact he has. We've had El Hamid out, El Yunusi. Yeah, really, it's been across the, the squad. To go back to the Rogic chat, just in, in line with this, Celtic are very lucky and with the strength and depth that they've had three excellent number 10 candidates fighting out for this yeah. position all yeah. season. How often could you possibly say that throughout Celtic's Never. history, really? Um, they're all completely different players as well, so I've kind of sympathise with Tom Rogic and not been able to get into the team very regularly because the, the midfield has been absolutely great all, yeah. all season. So defence could maybe be doing with one or two reinforcements at the back at centre-half, maybe. But again, Celtic haven't really suffered as a result of it. And just to tidy up on Rogic, eh... Although he's only completed two 90 minutes, is way in for the season is three assists and one goal, which is probably more than you would get than, say, I don't know if you went to Liverpool and spent seven million <laughs> quid on a, a winger who's... How, yeah. many, how many assists have you got all season, Melly? Uh, zero in a year in the Z- league. Zero in a calendar year. <laughs> See, um, that's that. I'm always quite sceptical when people wheel things like that out because I wonder how selective it is. But then I thought, no, wait a minute, a year? That's longer he's, the season. So he's not even had one of those, like, crap assists where you've maybe passed the ball to somebody 40 yards from goal and they've scored so he's not even had one of those like that's not even a real assist no. he's not even had one of those in a year no. that's absolutely incredible he's had six goals six goals in the league for seven million pound this season fewer than Julian fewer than Julian um, one thing I did find quite interesting I was thinking today I was like a lot of people are talking about Ryan Kent going he's a massive flop we said in the podcast a while ago biggest waste of seven million quid you'll ever see only plays against Celtic it seems who's the biggest flop in Scottish football history Flow in terms of numbers I suppose in terms of numbers Tory Andre Flo so as you say I, that's what I thought that's yeah. what everyone says even that's even Flo Flo carried that tag around for a long time but he actually scored quite a lot of goals yeah. for Rangers at least he had that he did he scored 18 goals in his yeah. first 30 games then the following season he got 22 in 42 games yeah. so he's far far and away far <laughs> and away better than Ryan Kent for 7 million quid so Ryan Kent shaping up to be one of the biggest flops in Scottish football history Ryan Kent a final thing on him is that he has got six goals this season which isn't an awful lot for, for a winger for a £7 million attacker Celtic's defence has combined for 15 goals this season now I know that's more players than Ryan Kent but the key thing is they're all defenders they're all centre halves yeah and I've scored almost three times as many goals as them and, and uh, they have to fashion those chances themselves because Celtic's corners are ridiculous <laughs> Well, it's funny you should mention that because Celtic's defence here did conspire to yes. get us back into the game. It was a, it was a nervy, nervy exchange a wee bit because, as you said, you know, the Rangers game was ongoing at the same time, and I felt when Kilmarnock scored, suddenly the game took a turn because this became a, a big, important game for us. It's a strange thing to say, but Kilmarnock getting that goal so early on was probably the best thing that happened for Celtic. This could have been one of those tough games where the longer it goes on, the crowd gets get sort of on the players back like come on let's let's do yeah. this but because we'd heard Rangers had let in a goal and subsequently failed to win the game come on that went a goal ahead 85 minutes still to go 
No way can they hold on to this because no. as soon as that happened, Kilmarnock just sat back. The crowd got right behind Celtic and it was just wave after wave of attack. Kilmarnock tried to go and match up with Celtic the 3 5 2 to start with, mm. but Kabamba just dropped so deep he was basically in midfield. The two fullbacks were just along the edge of the box, so they had a back five and it was just backs to the walls. Even Brophy stood in the halfway line himself and Celtic's centre halves were even in Kilmarnock's half. And that was it until 60 minutes, basically. Liar. Iyer has turned into a goal machine. Now that's two, two and week. three for yeah. him. Yeah, two in the last three games, two in a week, of course. Taking him to, I think, four for the season. So I have now hit my tally for the goals oh. between Julian and Iyer. So I just need them both to stop now <laughs> altogether for one of my bold predictions to, to come true. Uh, yeah, it's, it's encouraging to see. We're obviously getting goals from all over the pitch. I've already mentioned that we get 15 goals from defence, but that includes like so Hayes and Frimpong get oh, two right. as well. Yeah. Uh, Jozo's got one very recently. But it, again, it can only be a positive that we're getting goals come from all over the place especially for the two centre-halves combining yeah. for a goal do you know a wee bit of luck on the cutback because it, it kind of bobbled across a wee bit and took a deflection on the way in but he, he did have cut. a look up and wait for the right time to play yeah, he, did, yeah. he was playing it into a blind alley so it was decent enough just a cross in a wee bit of luck coming to Julian but takes a touch has a look up sees his partner yeah. there and sweeps it home and once that goes in we are back in the game and there's only one winner in oh, this yeah. game because at Kilmarnock they are a decent defensive team but it was just so difficult to see them they holding out in. for that long yeah oh, that exactly what I was going to say they sat in quite a bit but to think that you're going to do that for that length of time at Celtic Park is fanciful to say the plus, least plus this is the difference between us and Rangers as well we know how to win games mm, yeah, that, yeah. That, that Celtic team you know all those players we I mentioned as part of the big rebuild or whatever they've all been through the mill they know what it takes to win football matches yeah. and they know just stay calm just keep doing what we're doing something will come and, and they know what to do and you know it was one way traffic and I we see from the equaliser all the nerves were gone yeah. from the equaliser all the nerves were gone and you know how it was going to end up that front two once again both of them getting on the score sheet Odson Edward Lee Griffiths uh, I have a, a bit of a disagreement here with well I would rather I would rather it was Kirk Broadfoot. <laughs> so I, would, I would honestly rather yeah. Kirk Broadfoot smashed that into the, the goal furious. on his rotten <laughs> face. Yes, he was absolutely furious as well. And he, again, with the benefit of very limited replays, I'm not sure Edward gets any kind of touch on it at all. It's, I'm not saying he didn't, I'm just saying I can't really see it. Broadfoot definitely gets the last touch yeah. as he bundles it over the line and then he's absolutely raging. Uh, Good. Is it, that is things really you love put, to see. <laughs> I know we don't like Kirk Broadfoot, we all know what he is, but that that is a professional who is he captain or one of the more yeah. experienced players in that well, they brought team. him back just there didn't they yeah same number of Scotland caps as Lisbon Lion John Clark <laughs> <laughs> that's scandalous isn't it? <laughs> it he's down there shouting at a 20 early 20 year old goalkeeper yeah, absolutely berating him when like, mate, it was your fault as well like you yeah. let odds red while get goal side of you and then you put it in the net like, it, but we know why he's doing it because he's a hand yeah <laughs> Um, and Lee Hunter losing their mind everywhere by the way see Chris Boyd He's, <laughs> he is spiralling yeah, yeah. down the drain I've noticed a thing right that a new see if you're a brain dead Scottish pundit right the, the, the new thing is such and such has X amount of time to save their yeah, job yeah, because it was Boyd. we've had um, Boyd do it we've mm-hmm. had Chris Coleman's done it to Derek McInnes and mm. then there Boyd went back to the well for that bit of patter Rangers have got 45 minutes to save our season. 45 minutes. He was raging, man. He couldn't get the words out. And then at the end of it, I didn't see the end, but I hope she went, 
So that's zero Chris. <laughs> um, I, you're right. It should be held to that. So, well, are you going to state now that Rangers season is over? Because mm-hmm. that would have been a hell of a headline. <laughs> um, Lee Griffiths certainly ended Rangers season. Mm-hmm. Um, the cherry on top to finish your scoring. It was a good goal because he had one in the first half when it was still nil nil, where I think Edward put him through and he hit it straight at the keeper. Yeah. And you know, maybe. Keeper did well. The keeper did, it was a good save. I do quite like that keeper, but uh, made a decent save. But you know what Lee Griffiths gets when he gets to that point? There was a a bit in the game where Celtic, it was Edward, Rogic, McGregor, Christie, all just linking up, basically doing some sort of twinkle-toed Michael (laughs) Flatley dance around and Kilmarnock players didn't have a clue what's going on. Great play, just... Touches here and there like he was going to lose the ball. Doesn't lose the ball. They just managed to yeah. put past the way out. It, gave it to Lee Griffiths. He got frustrated and shot from twenty five yards. Like Lee, why are you doing this? We don't need to force it. I know. They, but they, they probed in and out of the box about three times. If Celtic had held onto the ball for another about eight seconds, come on, it would have parted yeah. like the Red Sea. But <laughs> Griffiths, <laughs> Griffiths got. I mean, we've given him a lot of credit recently for not being that desperate to score Lee Griffiths, but he got away from that time. Yeah, but he gets his goal. It was good play. It was a ball inside. Christie makes a run, cuts it back perfectly, and there's yeah. Griffiths. So I've been a bit, I was getting a bit uh, frustrated before we got a goal in the first half because Edward and Griffiths both dropped uh, out to the outside of the box. Like, well, if we get two strikers and both of them are outside the box, yeah. we ain't going to be scoring much. <laughs> but um, because it was just so congested in there, they were just dropping to make space. But uh, seeing Griffiths get the goal. He's put a sort of relief on his face, but his face. But he get got another one later. Greg Taylor cut it back from him and he put it away. And when it was flagged offside, he smashes the ball back into the net. That uh, was another one. Frustration. Couldn't tell if it was offside because of the, the angles the again. Another great move as well. Yeah, I think they gave the offside against Taylor. But yeah. again, Taylor for I thought he did okay during the game, but he could have he could have taken players on and got forward a bit more. But that would have been another assist yeah. if we could tell if it was offside or not. On hey. Griffiths, uh, there was a moment in the first half where he got a free kick where he, he scudded up <laughs> miles over the bar, and then he did that thing. You know how if you're walking down the street in public, if you're in like a shopping centre or something, and you have a wee trip, you look back at the thing uh, that, that yeah. tripped you and, and give it a wee scowl, <laughs> a wee point, and you're like, oh, I don't know how that. Happened. That's what he did. He, he turned around and had an argument with an imaginary divot just behind him. Well, do you know what else he done? That goal has now seen Lee Griffiths this year, since his return to football after Lee Griffiths, you won't be playing football anymore. Saving that career? Aye, he saved his career. Aye, after Chris Boyd giving it, aye, he's got six games to save his career. I'd love to know how many games Ryan Kent, Alfredo Morelos and Jermaine Defoe have got to save their career because he's now scored in 2020 more goals than all three of those players combined. (laughs) Lee Griffiths is back. I was I found this quite funny, you know. Tyson Fury, he won the boxing this weekend. I don't watch boxing. He won right? at the boxing, yeah. But I know what boxing is. Everybody he won the big boxing back. game. And this whole thing about Tyson Fury managed to resurrect his career and come back for the brink and all that. And that's all very well and good. But Lee Griffiths has done something kind of similar. He's managed to bring his career back, maybe not from the depths that Tyson Fury went, yeah. although we don't really know. Lee Griffiths has bought his career back and doesn't he get anywhere near as much credit if Lee Griffiths keeps this up for the rest of the season I think people need to look at the guy and go how did you manage that they need to look at uh, Neil Lennon and Brendan Rodgers yeah. and everybody that helped him and go this is fantastic because a lot of people out there including me privately didn't think that Lee Griffiths had it to come back to this sort of form no I, I was exactly the same I, I said I think something along the lines of I he can come back and he'll still get you goals but as far as the Lee Griffiths of a few years ago as a force I think that's gone no he, he's 
he's never going to get back to that 40 goal a season Aye. thing but for this stage of his career he's doing absolutely Aye. brilliantly unbelievably yeah, yeah, yeah. It's immense the, credit to him the age he is and the amount of time he spent out the game for the reason he comes out the game to walk back into this Celtic team yeah. that's on the verge of winning right in a row that as you've already touched on Stephen Bio can he do Clamalla <laughs> can he do Lee Griffiths is just like excuse me lads I'll show you how it's done I'm coming <laughs> through this is how you score goals yeah it just shows you like, you never give up in life and he's came back people maybe writing off his football career never mind his Celtic career but he's also came back into this team that had Odson Edward on fire as well and he's managed to forge a partnership with him now yeah. this guy's went most of his career playing up front himself being the main man and he's managed to forge a partnership that has got people saying well just play the two of them because yeah. you can't separate them they're doing too well they're linking up they're creating chances for each other and they're both scoring goals and uh, file that under things you love to see. <laughs> five goals to say, Lee had the last line. Yeah, five goals and two assists in his last ten games for Celtic yeah, in all competitions. Lee Gover? Oh, yes. Yes, I'm going to be the bold. I'm going to be a bit of a maverick. Stick my neck out there and say, that's it, done. Um, so it was a year today, mainly that Brendan Rodgers left. Well, it was a year today's last game. It was a year today, Brendan Rodgers' last game for Celtic. Neil Lennon came in with how many games left? Eight, no, no, oh, more than that. It was eight points yeah. clear. We were. It was ten uh, league games, maybe. So tomorrow will be a year ago today, where we sat here. And tomorrow will them. be a year ago today. <laughs> 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 it's that <a> leap here. <laughs> you get it. Is. You get the gist of it. But uh, it'll be around this time last it's a title, year. By the way, we we sat here and said. There's absolutely no way Brendan Rodgers will leave us during the season about to play Hearts during the league and still in the cup to get a treble treble. 24 hours later, <laughs> what did they do? So yep. the reason I bring that up, we can uh, we can have a wee look at it and go, I think Brendan Rodgers left. Celtic had an eight-point lead yeah. and Neil Lennon came in at the last minute and a team that wasn't his... Um, nursed it over the line God knows what the atmosphere in Celtic Park must have been like because Brendan Rodgers cleared out absolutely every day he could uh, Neil Lennon comes in as Celtic sit here today around the same time in the season we have a 12 point lead at the top now yeah. Rangers have got a game in hand oh, that's that's looking less and less important as that, the, I, as the that's exactly on, yeah. what I was about to say there's no guarantees they're going to win that but we'll give them that hmm. 9 points now I'm not going to say it's over, Melly. I'm, I'm going not. to stick to the one game at a time. Yep. We've stuck all season, one game at a time. Um, it's just the pressure on Rangers at the moment must be incredible. Now, I've, I've heard rumblings, as you always do for the past couple of weeks. I've not said them in the podcast, but I've heard from someone who might know that things inside the Rangers camp aren't pretty at the moment. Mm. Um, Steven Gerrard has got his obvious favourites and he's got players that are frozen out and there's players that don't perform who get picked every week and there's players that get thrown under the bus for the slightest mistake. And the quote I heard was, it's getting a bit like Warburton in there again <laughs> right. um, and talk of staff me. I'm not being all Chris Boyd. I'm not just going to come out and say I know for a fact that Rangers had a heated oh, team meeting last week. On that, did you see that he has now taken to dismissing any chat yeah, that yeah, uh, yeah. dressing room disquiet. disquiet are important? He has said, oh, you hear that stuff all the time. It's all about rubbish. <laughs> this, is the guy, this is the guy who first broke the chat about how in Cham's gone and a half he wants to leave. Everybody's fallen out behind the scenes. Chris, king of contradiction. Boy, remember he's <laughs> yeah. stupid a couple of weeks ago. No good players in Scotland. No good players in Scotland. <laughs> then he's down in Sky where he's can roll neck on going, Well, guys, uh, if you pay attention to the Scottish people, people write that league off, but you'll find there's terrific players in there. Look like dapper laughs. It's almost like Chris Boyd just turns up to a Sky Studio, gets handed a microphone, and makes noises with his mouth. <laughs> 
um, from his empty head. It's something the second that time we, second podcast in a row I've done that. I <laughs> made the mistake of taking a drink while someone's saying something, and that's why we say hashtag just saying stuff. Um, yes. The pressure on Rangers, Celtic are relentless. Not our words, the words of Stephen Gerrard. Yep. It's going to take a lot for us to lose the league at the moment, but a lot has happened in the past, so we're still taking it one game at a time. But from a Rangers perspective, they must be absolutely cracking up here. Yeah, they just look at Celtic and time, just game after game are just smashing teams. Again, yeah. Kilmarnock, they maybe got a wee glimmer of hope even though their team weren't doing well or they've, they've went 1-0 up, we might get away with one. Absolutely smashed them 3-1 and it, it was always going to come. Look, it's, it's still a long way to go. I'm the same as Lennon. Like, the league's a million miles away because yeah. you don't want to count your chickens but we've got... We've got Europe still to contend with. We've got a tough away game in the cup next week. We go away to Livingston after that. There's a lot of a lot of games coming up. Then we've got St Mirren, we've got Rangers away. So there's a lot of away games coming up. But see if Celtic just keep ticking off these games, and that's ten league games now where we we are really it's within sight, it's all in Celtic's hands, and that's all we can ask. We just need to t- keep ticking off these games. And look, we're not going to win the next eight, nine games and yeah. win the league like that. Yeah. We are going to drop points. That's probably inevitable. But do you know what? We could go and win nine games because it's unlikely, but this team is an absolute juggernaut. It's, it is unlikely that Celtic are going to go in and win nine straight games in a row, but it's unlikely that Rangers are going to do that as well, oh, Stephen. Yeah, and, and you're looking at these two Glasgow derbies and, you know, it'll be uncommon... I still think maybe we'll get one each. I think we'll get one each. Yeah. See if we beat them at Ibrox, which we're more than capable to do yeah. at the moment. If we beat them at Ibrox, I just, that must be one, not the final nail in the coffin, but the one of the nails in the coffin. <laughs> yeah, one of the, one of the nails and one of the many nails in their coffin. The the thing is, what a, what a collapse it's been. I don't know why I'm joking about how it's league over. I was starting to swagger and all that kind of thing, but it's, the the collapse from Rangers has been unbelievable. That's now what four games have dropped points in since they came back in Jan end of January, and we go back to it. It was advantage Rangers. Yeah, yeah. They had beaten yeah. Celtic. They'd fairly easily beaten Celtic. To be perfectly honest, at Celtic Park in the last game before they break, huge psychological advantage. They they were in the position to go top outright. They had the game in hand where they could have gone top. Goal difference almost identical as well. And this is a matter of weeks ago. This is, we're talking about th- six weeks ago. Yeah, six who's, weeks. Who's their game in hand against? Is it St. Johnston at home? Yeah. So it's against St. Johnston at home. Um, aye. And and it's it's Celtic. This is the point I was trying to make and I'm hammering at home here, but it's Celtic that's putting the pressure on Rangers here. Yeah. Yeah. It's us win, 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 win. Rangers are stumbling, dropping points, draw, lost. They're like, what? We can't do anything about this. We can't do anything about Celtic's form because we can't even manage our own. We've got them in a couple of weeks. I think... I think they'll turn up for that one. I think they'll think... Recent history suggests, yeah. If we don't get anything the rest of the season, we'll turn up for that one. Mm. Um, I think that's going to be a real war. I'm really looking forward to that one. I suppose we might as well mention Brendan Rodgers. Um, one year to the day since he walked out and left the club. Cheers. Now, <laughs> and on that, we shall, um, we shall wrap up. Final shout out to Chris Bungard, who yeah. we sponsor, we've sponsored now for what, his last four fights. Yeah, four in a row, yeah. 
Um, took a fight at short notice in Dublin. Mega short notice to fight one of the best in the world. Uh, no, um, yeah, there's without a doubt one of one of the best in the world. A huge step up in competition for him, and he, he unfortunately came up short this time. But he he took his opportunity to fight one of genuinely. He's not the biggest name, but he's genuinely one of the best fighters in the world. And he, he unfortunately lost on this occasion, but he went in uh, with the Celtic sporting the hoops, sporting the hoops, and as you said, for the fourth time in his uh, Bellator career, went into the cage carrying our logo which is always an absolute buzz for us to see the pictures and see the footage on that we shall wrap up I just want to say thanks so much to you guys for listening to the podcast thanks especially to our patrons who support us if you like this Monday podcast you want to hear some more podcasts from us check us out at patreon.com slash 20 minute tims but most of all thanks for listening Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.